I have been called the N-word. Um, I have had a gun pulled out on me. Um, I have had derogatory um, names um, yelled at me. Um, so I've experienced a lot of racism. And we thank you so much for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, a local TV news anchor here in the Georgia, Alabama area. But uh, not sure where you're listening from. But uh, again, uh, thank you for choosing us. You know, uh, every week we talk about different elements of fitness or faith and how those two mix together. Uh, But today... Uh, And we're not talking today much really at all about COVID-19 or the pandemic. I'm sure you're glad of that because people are just tired of hearing about it, even though it's still affecting really every part of our lives. But today we're talking about race or really racism and uh, appropriate with the title Run the Race. It can mean a lot of different things for folks, uh, not just uh, the race, you know, when you're a marathon or a 5K, but the race of life and just race in general, because uh, that's definitely prevalent in society today, you know, seeing, um, you know, color, uh, you know, whether you're a prejudice against somebody that's black or white or Hispanic. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, the big in the news right now is the shooting death of Ahmad Arbery, a 25-year-old uh, African-American jogger who was gunned down in South Georgia. And a lot of people have come out and uh, really, after seeing the video of him being gunned down in the street there uh, near Savannah, and uh, so much so that two and a half months after that um, shooting happened, the two white men who uh, did shoot and kill him, they have now been arrested, charged with murder. And again, it's innocent until proven guilty. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens, and especially in the court of public opinion, because there's been outrage about this. And people really, you know, um, talking a lot about um, racism. And in fact, uh, this, this past Friday, people really all over the world ran or walked or jogged 2.23 miles in honor of Ahmad Arbery. They did that because that would have been his 26th birthday last Friday, and then February 23rd was the day he was shot and killed. And we're having a really honest discussion today about race and uh, about fitness and faith as well with a young woman I'm going to introduce to you in just a minute, Patrice Riley. also want to wish her a happy Mother's Day because she is a wife and has two wonderful kids. I also want to tell you about something that, uh, that I see every day on my desk at work in our newsroom at WTVM. And uh, it's, it's a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He's one of my heroes growing up. Um, and uh, the, the quote is, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Uh, faith is a risk. Uh, it could be faith in someone else, um, especially you talk, we talk a lot about faith in God, uh, somebody that you, you, know, you can't see him or touch him all the time, but he's there and in control. And, you know, for me, you know, uh, talking about this issue of race today in America, um, I'm a white male, and uh, I, I don't come with the perspective of somebody that's a, a, a black male or a black female or Hispanic or Asian. And so I wanted to get that perspective today and, uh, you know, um, have the, the, the honest discussion. And we have that today with Patrice Riley, 
who uh, grew up in Stockton, California. And uh, after high school, she joined the U.S. Army, uh, served for six and a half years, in fact, ending here at Fort Benning, right down the road from us here. She got her B.A. in psychology from the University of Phoenix and currently studying to become a certified personal trainer, hoping to inspire other folks to get fit on a daily basis. Uh, she currently works part-time at Teen Advisors, which is a great local nonprofit ministry, helps uh, local middle and high school students you know, to be good role models for others. She's also an entrepreneur. She has an inspirational faith-based apparel brand called Wonderfully Created One. That's the number one. She also has her own podcast we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, talks about wellness and, and women's issues, and uh, she's also pursuing fitness and health coaching. We talk a lot, of, a lot uh, in this interview today about her running adventures. Um, it includes uh, Spartan races and some ultra marathons and lots of 5Ks. Now, she didn't grow up in a Christian household, so we talk a lot about her path to Christ after the military, and, uh, and which included her deployment to Iraq during a Operation Iraqi Freedom. We also talk about you know her experiences specifically with racism, uh, things that she's had happened to her, and she says she's very aware of her skin color, and she's also cautious when she runs because of that. And so uh, here's my discussion with Patrice Riley. Thank you so much, Patrice, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I appreciate it. I don't know. We're going to talk uh, some about some serious issues mm-hmm. about race in America and and uh, running fitness and your faith and Ahmad Arbery, that case. But uh, before we get into all that serious stuff, we want to have a little fun okay. getting to know you a little bit. So we call it the fast four. So the first question is, what is your job description at work and at home? Because you have important jobs at both. Yes. So at work, I am a mentor at a local um a uh, local nonprofit uh, teen ministry, which is called Teen Advisors, and I absolutely love it. Um, at home, I'm also I'm a mother um, and a wife, and I'm also an entrepreneur. Um, I have a business, a uh, inspirational uh, brand, so um, I do uh, a little bit of both. I'm a little bit dabbling everywhere, and I'm also pursuing my um, health coaching and fitness coaching as well. Find time to sleep, maybe a few hours in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Um, do you um, have a particular uh, spiritual motto or a, or a verse that really stands out for you, maybe on a daily basis? So, so many to choose from, but right, um, probably my go-to is Psalms 139, 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and then Genesis 127, that God created man in his own image. Um, those are my probably go-to because it just reminds me of who I am and who created me. Yeah, and, and your identity in Christ. And my identity in Christ. Absolutely. Um, what, now, I know you are a runner, mm-hmm. uh, so what do you do to stay physically fit on maybe a weekly or daily basis so daily I run I um I started back my streak so now I'm doing a one mile run streak so I run one mile at least every day um and in addition to my running I'll do probably about uh four to four to five days a week I'll do a an additional workout but I'm at least running I'm active every single day that's great. Yeah. That's a it's a great uh, model for the rest of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and last question: What is something unique about Patrice Riley? 
um, I'm hilarious and <laughs> I can find humor in just about any situation. And I love that about myself. I love that. I believe that God's giving me that gift to kind of relieve um, tough situations or tense situations. I can make a joke or um, I can help other people uh, kind of laugh and find humor. So the my uniqueness is I'm hilarious <laughs> and humble too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to laughing with you uh, on this podcast interview today. But um, you know, switching to something gears to something a little uh, obviously more serious, mm-hmm. the Ahmad Arbery situation, which I just talked about earlier in this podcast, um, where um, this young black man in the Savannah, Georgia area, uh, while he was out uh, on the street and jogging, uh, was uh, shot and killed mm-hmm. by two white men. And I know that we recently, this past Friday, had a 2.23-mile run mm-hmm. um, to uh, to honor him, remember him, uh, on what would have been his 26th birthday. But mm-hmm. that, um, February 23rd, was the day he was killed. So for you, you participated in that run, as so did thousands of people across the nation. Um, what does it mean for you when you saw that story and you're being a runner yourself and a black female um, does this just bring in, are, are you angry, disappointed about just the, the situation itself? So it, it stirred so many different emotions. Um, the first one is, of, of course, the first one, just for me being black and also a female, is the fear. And um, once that comes, then I'm able to, no, we speak against that because I know that's not from God. So, but then anger comes in. Anger comes in and just overwhelming sadness and grief just overtook me. Um, Just, I accidentally saw the video and I wish I hadn't. Um, And so when I see the video um, of, of a death, it's, it's traumatic. And I think that, it was, I was so grieved. And then the anger, a little bit more anger started coming because it's why, why did, why did the man have to die? Like at what, you know, you, you're, it's, it's confusing. At what point did, did this man warrant death? Like what, what did he do that warranted death? And if he was just jogging, surely, Surely I cannot, I do not want to wrap my head around that, that he was just jogging and these men hunted him and, and, and shot him. So I began to research and look into it and the circumstances, none of them came out to whereas anything warranted death. And so as a, as a black runner, that is very upsetting and it's very fearful because there are a lot of neighborhoods that I run in here, even here locally in Columbus, Georgia, um, by myself that are predominantly white. And I'm going to honestly tell you that, yeah, that, you know, a little sometimes when I'm running alone, just because of circumstances and, and we are we live where we live. Um, I think about that, like, oh, I wonder if they know I, I, I hope they recognize that I'm a runner because I have running gear so I'm like I shouldn't be a threat to anybody but just being a black person I'm always I'm always aware of my how I look and who I am and so I have sometimes a lot of black people because we're aware of of who we are and how we can be perceived to others we sometimes try to make ourselves less threatening so because what happens is that if if we are if 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 a Caucasian is threatened by us then fear happens and then fear we see what happens when people get afraid and i think that's what happened with those those young those men were that they were afraid 
and they act in fear and then death happens. Yeah. And I know when, when you posted about your 2.23 mile run, you wrote, may I never take for granted the privilege it is to wake up and run. Um, does that change maybe your mindset or should it change a lot of our mindsets about the, uh, the fact that we can go out and we have the ability to go out and run and, and be safe perhaps it, I do not want to come under fear. So, but I do want to become more grateful of what I do and the privilege that I do have. Um, and so I just want to be more aware and I want all of us to be more aware of the privilege it is. And some may have more of a privilege of just the freedom of not, of running and not even caring what neighborhood they run in, they run in and not caring who sees them. Um, and while some of us can't really take those liberties to, you know, we, I'm always aware, I'm always aware of where I am, what neighborhood I'm in and um, so it's just, it's different, but it's not, I do not want to take on that spirit of fear at all. And we, you know, live in the deep South. We're in Georgia and right next to Alabama as well. Um, for you, I mean, have you, you know, growing up, did you experience racism and, and do you think things have changed in, in a, a large, a large way or maybe getting worse or better perhaps? So um, I was actually born and raised in Stockton, California. Okay. And um, much different than around here. Much different, but here's the thing: I've experienced racism. Um, I have been called the N-word. Um, I have had a gun pulled out on me. Um, I have had derogatory um, names um, yelled at me. Um, so I've experienced a lot of racism. So, and I think sometimes um our my caucasian brothers and sisters aren't aware of just the history that a lot of blacks have like this is not an imaginary thing this is these are real situations my mother my my uh, husband has experienced um racism and has experienced has had traumatic incidents with the police my best friends have had traumatic incidents with the police you know so it's these things have happened but to say that things have gotten better i absolutely Absolutely. I, there, while there are, while racism is still real and it's, and it's still evident in some places, I, like I told my husband, while I am concerned and more cautious in certain areas, I still believe that if I was to get a flat tire, I still believe that a white man would stop, pull over and help me out with no problem. Like I don't, I'm not in fear of, or thinking like, Ooh, somebody's out to get me absolutely not and I do believe that our country is moving toward better I really do believe that and the fact that we are now having conversations with people uncomfortable conversations that's such a good sign yes we are definitely moving forward in a good in a better place and do you think that um you know like you said we're having this conversation because of you know this incident that's sparking that happened in coastal Georgia um, do you think that um, there's still a long way to go in terms of the perspective from people? Because, you know, there's passion from, from African-Americans. There's passion from whites. There's, um, you know, passion, you know, you see it in the media, how it's kind of played out. So do you think that it's a good thing to have the conversation or can kind of maybe turn people against each other? Or It can if you allow it. But I was just in a conversation um, before I came here with somebody that, sent me a video that was offensive and they wanted to know my perspective on it. And so I let them know, don't send me anything like that again. Um, but if you want to have a discussion, 
we can talk about this. So then that door opens up. So I've had I've had several discussions uh, privately with several different people, different uh, brothers and sisters, white, my white brothers and sisters that I have never would have had had the incident not happen. And so the more conversations that we are having with each other and accepting our differences, because um, I can see from I can see from a different perspective how this may look to um, a white person and I can see how this looks to a black person so I can see that there's a difference but I love that right now we are discussing it and I think that the more we discuss it the more that we don't sweep it underneath the rug the more that we just let that uncomfortable feeling sit like oh this is this is gooey Ooh, I don't like it let's just sit in it you yeah. know just just sit in it for a minute let's feel this but then we also need to remember Christ and pray, Father, how can I see through their eyes? What can I say? What can I do? Because more than anything, he wants us to be unified. So then when we bring him in and ask him, how can I? What can I do? What conversations? So then that is, that's the start. And I believe having these conversations are a start. And yeah, you're going to have your radicals on both sides. Um, and, and here's the thing. They can do the radicals. Hey, but the masses we can begin to unify through discussion. Yeah. And I believe that. And I know you're very active on social media. You talked recently about how praying that God's love for us inspires us to love others around us. Do you think that that is needing to be kind of at the center of all this in terms of because, you know, how Jesus was persecuted um, and hung on the cross? So do you think that maybe his story can really, um, you know, have a radical difference in terms of how race is perceived in America. Absolutely. If we start, if we begin to look at Jesus' ministry and we begin to love as he loved when he went out and when he talked and he told stories and he interacted with people that did not look like him. He didn't. He interacted with people that he technically wasn't supposed to even be around. The prostitutes. The prostitutes. Yeah. You know, so he interacted and he went. He went there. It wasn't like they came to him. He went. He pursued them in love because he loves them. So he went in an uncomfortable place. He went in a place where he he didn't technically belong, but he went there anyway because of his love. So absolutely, love love covers a multitude of sins. So then love can shift. If I am looking through the eyes of God and I look at you in love and you say something that to, to tick me off, then I have, I have, I have a choice. I can say, Oh, okay, well he, he did that maliciously. He's out to get me or maybe he didn't know. Yeah. And maybe I can talk to him about that. So you, we can act in love. And I think if we kind of get back down and when we have these discussions, remember that if I'm having a discussion and somebody disagrees with me, it's not because they hate me. It's because they just have a different perspective. But we can still move in love. We can absolutely love, absolutely can shift everything. Yeah, well said. Um, and just to do a little re rewind on your life, we'll, we'll do a little ding, 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 go, <laughs> go backwards a little bit. Rewind for Patrice Riley back to growing up, in, like you said, in California. And you were telling me how you uh, did not grow up in a Christian household mm -hmm. and uh, ended up uh, joining the, the U.S. Army 
for uh, six uh, plus years. Tell me about um, that experience and maybe how it changed you as a young woman, as uh, maybe uh, soon to be Christian and, and how, because uh, we're right down the road from Fort Benning here. Mm -hmm. So obviously we're in a military community right here. Yeah. So Fort Benning was my last duty station. Um, and um, when I joined, so I, I, I did not grow up in a uh, traditional Christian home. We went to church, maybe um, Easter. Um, I think we got our, you know, I got a pretty dress and that was it. It's the most um, popular day for most churches. Most popular day. So, but we didn't, I didn't grow up um, inundated with, with all of this that I am now. Um, but I grew up with um, good parents that, that did their absolutely best. I joined the military. Um, when I joined the military, I just was trying to run away and get away from my city. And so when I joined the military, I was very um, wild to say the least. Um, so, um, a lot happened that last, um, probably 18, um, two years, to 18 months of my military career were probably the most traumatic for me. Um, I had, I was deployed. I went to war. I went to, um, operation Iraqi freedom, which traumatically changed my whole view on life and the military, but it changed my view on God in it that I, um, try to attack God and his people because a month prior or two months prior to me being deployed, my sister passed away of ovarian cancer. Mm. So I, I left and I left, you know, home with that trauma of my sister's death to go into a war zone. Then I think, um, six months, almost six months exactly after she passed, I had a cousin, a close first cousin of mine pass away and that just blew my whole world apart. And so I, there absolutely could not be a God if this you're, is you're happening. You're mad at him? I or, am. Yeah. I was beyond. I was mad where I was verbally attacking Christians. I was almost on Saul. You know, I was like, no, there's absolutely, you, you are a lie. There's no God. Absolutely not. And so I felt that way. It just, it was, it was a rage that was building until God met me in my bedroom in Fort Benning by myself and forever traumatically changed my life. Christ came in and it was just as traumatic as all those other experiences. This was just just a whirlwind of, he was like, I'm here. And I experienced that just alone in that little room with the linoleum floors. I, and I still remember how it looked. And so that happened. I came to Christ right before I got out of, um, right out before I got out of the military and which just changed my whole life. And even th at that point, I was um, on the verge of getting a divorce. Um, my husband and I, we had separated um, because I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to people. I didn't want to do life with people, period. I just, I had no idea. It just, it was chaotic. So, um, but Christ came in and then, I went back, you know, I, you know, kind of was like, no, I don't, I want my husband. <laughs> no, you know, and so um, those, that last, that last year and a half was just such a big contrast in my life. And um, that deployment, I guess, maybe uh, made you realize what was important to you? Yeah, yeah. That deployment made, you know, you get deployed um, in, into a war zone and you have, you're getting attacked um, by just about every day, every other day you know, life begins to start to, it, 
it could have, I see where God's hand was there when he was trying to lure me in because there were people still trying to, hey, um, but if, if you're kind of, your mind is not there and if the enemy is constantly bombarding you, you can go south. And so I went south where I was thinking that, no, there's no good, there's no God, nothing. And so I fought that and that aggressive and it was such in a, a difficult time. Um, and so, yeah, you, 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 you know, you look at life, um, you can either, you know, take it for granted or just be completely angry at everything that's going on. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, you can be completely grateful or just completely take it for granted and be angry. And I chose that latter, unfortunately, while I was at the, while I was in war. The things did turn around, which is great. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about some of your um, uh, Christian uh, entrepreneur things as well um, coming up in a little bit. But I wanted to touch on the military a little bit because I, you know, a lot of former soldiers I know um, are, you know, they still try to stay in shape, but most, a lot of them that I know aren't big fans of, uh, of running <laughs> because running, you're running in like your boots and your, you know, rucks and, and long, uh, up hills. And so they're just not fans of mm-hmm. it typically. So for you though, you are a runner and you, like you said, you enjoy it doing it every day. So for, you know, uh, what made you want to do that and, and have this, you know, passion even, you know, a decade or, you know, years later still being a runner. Um, I didn't like it in the military. Okay. And so, um, I love the military and I am not military bashing, but we do not, military does not do running well. Um, you know, they just put you in any kind of thing and tell you to run. Um, and while that works for some, it can be extremely painful physically. Um, and so, um, it it was it's not a it's not a favorite um just because of the pain that is usually associated with it you know and it's a you know punishment for you know a lot you got to think about a lot of sports even growing up in high school yeah. uh, running as a punishment you know what i mean so then we we kind of subconsciously thought about running as this punishment and then in the military I, while i was good when i had our 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 pt test our physical fitness test um i excelled at it it just was like oh my goodness let me hurry up and get this <laughs> over with but I was also young and so I would I would, used to smoke as well so I would smoke like two three cigarettes and go run and then you know just was totally um, irresponsible with my body but so I didn't like it and once I got out of the military I just I didn't want to gain the military like 30 it's not a military 15 it's like a military 30 Whoa. you know it's it's on average you know you get out just because you're not active and sure you pick up weight pretty quickly. So I was like, I don't want to do that. So I wanted to stay active. So I would run two miles, maybe three. And if I ran three, three miles, that was like a good day. And so I was doing that and I was, I would do that. I would worked out. Now I worked out probably four days a week, but running, I would run maybe like once every two weeks. And that was good enough for me because I was like, I'm good. But that changed when I started working at Big Dog, um, Big Dog Running Company, but now is Big Dog Fleet Feet. Yeah. And so that changed once I started working there. And um, I came across at the time, Kina, Bikina Yetz was my um, manager. And she was like, hey, would you like to go on a run with me? And so I've already had known her and I have talked and I know her um, awesomeness because she's an amazing (laughs) runner. So runner. So I I know that I'm this is a world class athlete. And I was like, yeah, but listen, don't take me on any crazy runs. I don't do that stuff. okay?" And I told her we're going to do three miles and we're not going to talk. 
because you know military mind you don't talk when you run you just go exactly and so i it's you the know, mission that's the mission let's just get this over with keena let's do three miles and let's do it so keena was like okay she didn't listen to anything i said <laughs> she took me on a six mile run around the neighborhood um in north columbus she took me six miles and talked the whole way and when we got done i was like Keena, how far did we go because I know that felt like longer, but I felt so good. She was like, oh, we just did six. And then as my mind was blown away. I did six miles. I had no idea I could do six miles. So six miles is now my um, my favorite sweet distance. Okay. Um, it's my, my sweetheart distance because I didn't know what I was capable of. And that's why I um, especially love working at Big Dog. I was able to you know, push people like you do not know what your body is capable of when you take the time, when you respect it. Like she didn't, she knew, and she's so, Gina's so gentle, you know, she knew not to go super fast. She knew to take it a, slow enough to where we could have a conversation. And then I, at that point I hadn't ran six miles in the military. You know, we've probably gone six miles or so, but not at that type of environment. And I, my mind was blown away. And so I was just like, what else can I do? what let's do this I'm a runner and I remember going to work that day and was tell I told everybody like I was not I was not humble at all I was like I ran six miles today like everybody knew about it I posted on Facebook several times like it was yeah <laughs> and at, since then you've run lots of 5ks yes. 10ks um, I think you told me that you've run one marathon and you hated did it. not like it no I hated it did I ran it hurt one, too much it hurt okay um it hurt I here, here's the problem with Patrice. Here's maybe one of my negative is that I am a confident person, but sometimes I can overestimate myself. <laughs> and I did that in the marathon and the marathon humbled me and I did not like it. Um, but I, funny enough, I do like going a further distance than the marathon. Yeah, I like you, You've the done ul ultras, yeah. Yeah, I like, I, I do enjoy doing ultra um, because it's a different mindset than a marathon. Yeah. It's go, a little bit more laid back. Go slower. You can go slower. You can eat Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, uh, I think you told me one of your highlights was you won first place in a six-hour race. Yeah. So are you running continuously or, six hours. or those, those whole six hours? Yeah. So it was for the first three hours, I ran nonstop. And then for the last three hours, I did the um, walk run. So I had like a little timer and um, did three minutes. I think I did three minutes of running, one minute of walking. And so I did that for the last three hours. And I ended up doing a total of 30 miles. Wow. And that accomplishment was like, I was on high. I ended, the race ended, it started at nine and I think it ended at three. And I called and woke Keena up. Because um, <laughs> Keena's also my coach now. And so I, I, I love her. And so I had to call and wake her up. I was like, I'm sorry, but I won. I did it. You know, and so... Um, it, it was, uh, it's funny, the, the different running that you can get into and what you like and what you don't like. But yeah, the marathon, I do want to do another marathon um, years from now, but I just had such a horrible experience <laughs> with it. So it is so funny because, you know, 30 miles obviously is longer than 26, but I was able to, you know, stop, you know, eat some pickles, you know, eat some chips and say hi to people and you're talking and marathon, you're not. You're kind of a little more relaxed, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, you're relaxed. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Now, you also uh, believe in, uh, you know, obviously more than running, 
because I see you pretty active on Facebook, uh, posting your workouts. I don't mm-hmm. know, but sometimes the video sped up. I think you're yeah. doing squats, and so I mean, how for you, you know, how important is that? Um, and I know you learned some of this in the military, perhaps, but um, just to be able to be an overall, you know, you know, kind of have the core be fit and and your quads and everything else in terms of ev- even for people who are runners or not runners. So overall fitness is Im- imperative to our health. I-, I think that even during this this as we're kind of on the tail end prayerfully of this pandemic. Health is important and we must take care of our body and exercise. And so, and with exercise, I am not, I do not believe in just one type of exercise. I believe that we can do many different ones. I believe that you can have your favorite, like running is my favorite, but I know that having a strong core and lifting weights will help me become a better runner. But it not only that, but it'll help me with life. Like I am one, you know, I enjoy being that one mom that can actually stand up throughout the whole field day and run and play with the kids. I enjoy playing at the park physically with my kids. You know, I, my kids and I, we were wrestling and playing and, you know, I have two children, so they were trying to take me on and it feels good. Now, don't get me wrong, they're eight and, they're eight and 10 now, so I don't know how much longer I can hold them off, but <laughs> it feels physically good to be able to have that endurance, to be able to do that with them. So I am, I believe that, you know, one of our, um, you know, one of the scriptures, I think is in Corinthians where it says that um, the, our temples are the Holy, our, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If, if we really believe that, then why would we not take care of our temple? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you have the Holy Spirit in a rundown temple that can barely breathe? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, take care of the temple. Take care of your body all the way. Because we have a short time to we do that. We have a yeah. short time. We don't, this is not, we don't have, it's, he says this is but a blink of an eye. Yeah. Like, just a short period of time. So then why not live it to the fullest and fully be able to feel like, I am, I'm 39 and I feel like I'm just getting started on what I physically can do. Like I can run, run circles around 20 year old Patrice and I am so proud of that. Yeah, you act and, and, and look younger. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, uh, happy belated Mother's Day oh, for you. your two kids. Hopefully they treated you well. Um, and what would your message be to moms out there who, you know, especially moms that work a full time job and take care of their kids and take care of the house? Um, you know, that maybe say, I just don't have time to go on a run or to, to work out. Uh, what would be your message to them to try to, to fit that into that, you know, busy life as a mom? I would say that you owe it to yourself. Um, me running, me being active makes me a better mother. I am, I have, um, I have the privilege of being able to, my kids are old enough to now when they were young it was a little bit more difficult um, but I made it happen but it's a priority to me because it's it's part of my self-care just like as if we take our long bubble baths or you know have you know go out with our girls or or find time to do those type of things exercise is the same thing I am a better human a better person a better mother when I exercise I've even told my children like Oh, mommy's is a little feeling you're getting on my nerves. So let me go run for a bit and then I'll come back and we can, 
we can continue this. So you're not in your feelings. I'm yet. not in my feelings. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm all in my feelings. What's going on? Mommy needs to go run. Let me go exercise. Let me get this out. And then we can come back and, and I can I can treat you well. But it's hard to love others, you know, properly if we're not really loving ourselves. And part of that self-love is taking care of our, our taking care of our bodies. So I would um, try to find the time. And, and, and here's the thing. And there's another thing is that. I want to add is that exercise doesn't have to be like two hours or hour long. You can do 15 minutes, like 15, 15 minutes, 10 minutes there. You can do these short intervals of, of aversive exercise. You know, you don't have to take a full hour and it doesn't have to be in this gym or, you know, you have to go to these different locations, pop a little video on and it's 10 minutes. Heck, you can do 10 minutes and let your kids crawl over you while you're doing your 2 minute, 10, 15 minutes of exercise. Or do it with you. you or know. have them do it. Yeah, my kids will do do it with me. Um, they'll do it with me and then they'll get bored and start crawling on me and, and it'll turn into this game. But that's why I try to do it with before they wake up. But you can, you can fit it in. It doesn't have to be this long period of time. You can do it. But at first, it's going to suck because you're doing something different. But... It's going to kick in. It's that, that runner's high. It's going to surely kick in. <laughs> it does. It does. And you were talking about your busy life and, and doing so many different things. I know you are now, uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, wonderfully created one. That's yes. the number one. Number one. Uh, it's an apparel brand. And also you have the Well, Well, Well podcast. Is that, or are we saying Well, Well, Well? Well, or, well, well. Yeah, Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> podcast that you and your uh, partner in crime do. So with, with those two things at least that you do, you know, you're, you seem to be, you know, um, I guess your goal is to shine your light and to help others, inspire others, whether it be by faith or just by, you know, self-help, especially for women. So with those kind of things that you do, those specifically, you know, um, what is your goal or, or what do you hope people get from those? Cause I know, for, I'm, I'm sure it's fun for you as well. It is, it is fun. And I think that, um, God has allowed me to really use my gifts and talents in different ways, but they're all bringing one message, which is that you are loved and wonderfully created in the image of God. And you are deserving of living a healthy life. Another one of my favorite um, scriptures is, is uh, John, I think, 10, 10, where it says, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And I believe living abundantly, living in this, living in the, what he has created for us to is, is living a healthy life is knowing. And so, you know, our podcast, my podcast with, with the amazing Dana is well, well, well. And we talk about health and wellness and just from a different perspective. And then with my apparel brand, it's speaking that message out. You know, I, I'm such a fan of graphic, um, graphic tees, you know, you see a tee and you, you can get inspired by it and you can, you know, it kind of showing your faith and showing where you are. I get so many compliments on my shirts and like, Oh, I like your shirt. Or one of my favorite shirts that I have is, can I pray with you? And that one, whew, that's an amazing shirt to wear out in public. You know, you wear it if you, if you're ready to pray, cause people will say something. And as soon as somebody says something, Oh, I, that's an interesting shirt. It is. Can I pray with you? Yeah. And they're like, what? Yeah, let's do it. I pray <laughs> with people in Publix and Walmart at gas stations. It is a beautiful thing. And so shining my light and pushing people toward God's love and loving, loving God and loving themselves more. Yeah. And, and uh, faith can break down some of those barriers. I mean, I know sometimes churches can be segregated, but faith is something that transcends whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, those kind of things. And you were telling me before how, you know, 
we sometimes say, you know, I'm colorblind or, you know, mm-hmm. I don't see you, you know, as a black woman or you as a white man. Uh, but for you, I mean, is that, is it important to see that, hey, yes, you are black or you are white and you are Hispanic to identify that that, listen, that's the reality. We're not, we can't like run from that. We, so that is probably one of my um, least favorite comments. Uh, I am not a fan of that comment when somebody's like, I, I don't see color. No, you do. Um, um, you do see unless you you medically are, are, are colorblind. Are blind. So yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're medically blind, then then fine. But if you're not, you do. And so don't ignore it. Don't ignore my color. Don't ignore what I look like, what I sound like, where I've come from. We are different, and we are supposed to be different because God created us. Indiv- like if you look at all of the different cultures and races and, and people in the world, it is so different. And it is a beautiful thing to know that God created each and every one of us differently to reflect him. So don't minimalize what I look like in my skin color or, who I, or, or, or what I sound like or my culture because you want to feel comfortable. Um, no, accept it. Like I'm. I'm different. You know what I mean? I am, I'm different from you. And that that's okay. That's, that's a part of God's plan. If he wanted us, if he didn't want us to, if he wanted us to be colorblind and wanted us to not see color or not see race, then he would have made us all one, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he yeah. he could have did that. Yeah. He could have made us one. The, the key is, I guess, to love like God loves, no matter what, you know, age, color, race, you know, sex, anything, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And no matter what, like, it's not, it's, it's not, a, it's, it's, I think people have one thing about the bringing up race issues is that people get uncomfortable about discussing it, but you know where you stand and where you are. I speak comfortably about race because I don't have, I don't have these hangups and like I'm not out to get you. So no, I recognize that you're a white man. There's no problem with that. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I feel secure and I love you in the love of Christ. So absolutely. It's it's okay to recognize that. Absolutely, yeah. And you were talking about how you you pray for folks anywhere and everywhere. I think that's that's great. I think uh, so. I wanted to offer you the opportunity. I usually close the podcast in prayer, so I think that I'm, I'm going to hand the baton to you uh, in this race called life. And uh, if you can pray us out on this uh, podcast chat. Oh, I will. Okay, yeah. Abba, I thank you. I thank you for every single listener. Right now, in the name of Jesus, open up their hearts so that they may receive the word that you have spoken to them, Father. May they grasp a word and let that seed be planted, Father God, and let someone else go and water it. Lord, we thank you that you have created us uniquely and divinely. Show us our uniqueness, Father. Show us how you uh, designed this world to function and properly and giving you the glory, Lord. I pray a hedge of protection over everyone listening to this podcast. Father God, from the sound of my voice, may healing and comfort and peace just overflow them, right? Overtake them right now. Father, we thank you that we have the joy of the Lord and and our um, promises are in you, Father God, that we will live an abundant life. I speak that over us, over everyone listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, Patrice, yes. for stopping by. We're, uh, what, six to six, eight yeah, feet yeah, apart? Yeah, we're about eight feet now, yeah. <laughs> and uh, hopefully maybe I'll get to come out there and do a, a, a six-mile run since that's your sweet spot. That's my sweet spot. We'll try one of those someday. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. Thanks yeah. very much. Thank you.
And thank you so much, Patrice, for coming by WTVM and uh, getting your temperature checked as you walked in the door. And uh, she was great to talk to. She's a, a bundle of energy. Uh, and uh, as you could, as you heard, she stays busy all day long, uh, juggling a lot of different things as a, a mom and wife and entrepreneur and, and runner and, uh, and worker. And she's, she told me she's on day 166 of her run streak. And uh, she has a goal of continuing that running every single day, at least a mile for five years. Uh, good luck to her. Um, and she's, she's done it in the past for two years straight. So, uh, so she's well on her way to do that. In fact, I, I'm starting my own run streak. I've always, I like rest, rest days. So I typically don't, uh, wouldn't want to do a run streak, but, um, because I'm doing this, uh, great virtual run across Tennessee, which is a thousand K or about 650 miles over the next four months. I decided, well, I can do at least a mile or five miles every day. We'll see how it goes. And so I'm on uh, day 10 so far. So we'll, uh, I'll try to catch up with Patrice. But again, thank you so much for her stopping by and being you know, uh, honest and upfront about uh, racism and just about um, her ideas when it comes to fitness and faith. Turning now to uh, Food for Thought, which we uh, uh, talk also about uh, race in America. We start with a question that was posed to a large organization, international, called Focus on the Family. Here's here's the question. How can a nation that was built on slavery and that's still full of racial discrimination today possibly have biblical roots? I've been hurt by racism in so-called Christian America and just don't understand why so many conservative evangelicals say this country is based on Christian values. As an African-American who has faced racial hatred, I find this perspective unbelievable. If that's Christianity, then I want nothing to do with it. Again, an honest question to focus on the family and their response. I'm going to read some of that and talk a little bit about that. They say that racial hatred and discrimination are more than just, you know, uh, glaring social injustices. There's, it's in a direct uh, front against God and uh, just, you know, the entire human family. And uh, racism runs directly counter to, to what the gospel says. True Christians must oppose those attitudes with every ounce of strength that God can give us. And uh, Focus on the Family says it's important to point out that America's goodness is not completely overshadowed by these imperfections. Of course, we have the Declaration of Independence and Constitution, uh, and those are based on Christian principles that help develop those basic institutions for the USA and uh, still true today, hundreds of years later. And as uh, Focus on the Family sees it, Racially based slavery was an unfortunate flaw in the fabric of early American life. And quote, uh, it was America's Christian heritage which eventually spelled the end of slavery and which continues to make the battle against racism possible. And I think it's important to continue this conversation about race and uh, and talk openly about it and be honest and, and not uh, try to, you know, uh, put it under the rug, but to kind of be out in front and kind of like what Patrice was saying, kind of sitting in that mess and understanding that it's okay uh, th- for things to be a little messy uh, because we're going to come out better people because of it. On the fitness side of things for Food for Thought, there's a story in the New York Times I found called Jogging Has Always Excluded Black People, which is a very interesting idea because, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, the idea for, for decades about uh, being physically fit, you, you heard things about going to the gym and expensive gear. Well, jogging really is available to all of us. Anybody can go out and run in your neighborhood on a treadmill or, and, and you know, just need a, you know, hopefully a good pair of, of running shoes. 
Well, um, black runners in the midst of this Ahmad Arbery uh, controversy where he was gunned down, uh, they've been talking about their routines um, and uh, the suspicions and uh, steering clear of certain neighborhoods and, and uh, wearing certain things, only, only going out in daylight where many white runners like myself, uh, you know, uh, we maybe have this sense of peace already. We don't uh, have the sense of we can't go to this neighborhood or we can't wear these certain clothes, that kind of thing. And um, that's, that's a disparity for sure. Uh, running, according to New York Times, has been a pastime marketed primarily to white people ever since the jogging craze was born in Oregon in the track and field world of the late, late 1960s. Uh, and then they're, they're, they're reporting that black people have not only been excluded from the sport, um, but they've also been relentlessly depicted as a threat to legitimate white joggers. And uh, the New York Times article goes on to say, the new national pastime never delivered on its promises of universalism. Women complained of being harassed by male passersby. And at the time when a white middle-class exodus the suburbs had sapped big cities, uh, many black Americans who lived in these cities could not safely go outside to even jog in parks or in the streets. And you know, uh, running and jogging uh, is something that 47 million Americans are a part of. And um, you, you would hope there is some kind of universalism. But this article, again from the New York Times, it talks about the, the most enduring legacy of the racialized experience of recreational running is the surveillance and suspicion to which black people are subjected to. So um, the, in the Michigan Chronicle, um, about a decade or so ago, they said if you're driving, walking, or running, or jogging, you simply look like an African-American, you're subject to a stop and search. Um, and so uh, it's something that is unfortunate and uh, still continues here in the year 2020. And we hope uh, that uh, through this situation, this unfortunate tragedy with Ahmad Arbery in Georgia, that people's eyes are opened up to the fact that uh, we are all people and uh, we all are made by God and his image, uh, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, and uh, we support each other and love each other like God loves us, no matter the color, um, even though we are different colors um, and uh, we you know, need to, to stick together and help each other out and support each other. And, uh, and hopefully more and more as the years go by, we will all have that sense of security and peace as we walk out our doors. And lastly, since we already had our prayer from Patrice, the parting gift comes from one of the most famous athletes of all time, from Muhammad Ali. The boxer says, quote, hating people because of their color is wrong, and it doesn't matter which color does the hating, it's just wrong. Again, a quote from Muhammad Ali, who talks about how, you know, there's all kinds of racism in the world that was, you know, decades ago and still is today. That's just, unfortunately, the reality. Thanks again for listening to the Run the Race podcast. And uh, if you'd like to um, shoot us a review or uh, have any questions, go to uh, Run the Race on Apple Podcasts. There's a chance to go give a five-star review at the bottom there. And, uh, and so we can keep this ball rolling as we are now almost 25 episodes in and uh, been doing this since last November. And uh, you can also find us on Spotify and on Google Play and Stitcher. You can go to WTVM.com slash podcast to listen to the past 20-plus episodes. And, uh, we, and if you have any ideas or questions, really, you can email me, jdennis at WTVM.com. That's WTVM as in martin.com. And, again, uh, we hope you have a wonderful week and stay safe out there in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. You can still go out and run and still uh, have church online, and uh, those more and more things will, will open up 
as the days and weeks go by. Have a great night, everybody.